welcome to Girls Gone Canon Watches House of the Dragons Season 1, Episode 2, featuring Kim Renfro! Hey Kim, we're so excited for you to be here. Hey. Of course, I'm one of your hosts, Chloe. Hi! And I am another one of your hosts, Eliana, and I forgot, I'm usually not the one who leads us into these things. I'm unused to it, I'm an untrained princess. Uh, oh my god. Oh, and I hit the mic, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, Kim, we were just talking before this. You are an author in our community. Um, I don't know. There, there's a little book out there. I heard you might have written, maybe. <laughs> just a, you know, just a few thousand words, you know. Yeah, uh, I published the unofficial guide to Game of Thrones. Emphasis on unofficial there, folks. Um, yeah, in 2019, like during what? Wow. Wow. What? Isn't was that really 2019? No, it like That's really crazy. messes with my head to think about. That's crazy. Wow. Being alive. I remember. <laughs> yeah. And, and of course, I don't know. I, I said, Kim, for your next book. And you were like, no. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, maybe someday. More therapy under my belt before the, uh, the old volume two. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Totally Game. understand that. <laughs> Game of Thrones will do that to you. Actually, yeah. though, for real. Actually, if we have therapy for all the characters, especially in this episode, that would probably be good. Probably. probably. Deeply Family needed. therapy. Well, family like the succession therapy. episode. <laughs> Between the series, like that family uh, therapy episode. That yeah. would be a great episode. Well, Kim, I know that you've been doing uh, some really good stuff over with Cast of Kings so far for House of the Dragon. In fact, you have an episode that's going to be going live very soon. It's yeah. out right now, or coming out right now, just for uh, your fans that <laughs> yeah. what platform it is. Where is it? How can we get it? Yeah, I'm doing podcasting with David Chen this year, which is amazing. Uh, obviously, him and Joanna Robinson used to work together, and I am very grateful to be following in her footsteps and co-hosting a Cast of Kings this year. And so he has set up um, a whole platform. It's decodingtv.com because he's doing a lot of like other TV shows and stuff too. But you can find the A Cast of Kings premium there. And if you subscribe, folks get episodes early. And then we're also trying to record at least one bonus a week about like sort of the deeper stuff that doesn't quite fit into like the regular recaps and stuff. So yeah, my episode for um, last night, my, my episode for the episode is already live on for like yeah premium subscribers and then it'll be up for free um with ads everywhere else later today i think yeah awesome yeah goodness so busy so in addition to doing weekly a cast of kings episodes i'm also still doing my full-time entertainment reporting job at insider and so i've got some um interviews with like ryan condal miguel sopachnik and a lot of the cast so they're i'm just sort of like doling them out week to week because we talked about some spoilery things that need to be oh. need to await so yeah there will definitely be more of that to come for me as always over on insider wonderful we'll throw those links below so make sure you check that in the description thanks we're excited to be getting back into a song of ice and fire in the books as well as in westeros here on hot d so if you're interested in listening in, if you're not getting enough from our all-spoilers House of the Dragon episodes here, spoilers everything in the world under the sun, um, if you're not getting enough from that, we do A Song of Ice and Fire, point of view by point of view. Every week, next week, or this week, you'll be seeing in your feed Bran 1 in A Game Ooh. of Thrones. I'm so excited. Oh I know. It's my baby. And 
you know, we we just recorded up a Patreon bonus episode, didn't we, Eliana? We did, we did. And we'll touch on some of that here, but not by much. Uh, you know, some of the stuff in Fire and Blood from the Mothers of the Dragon Part 1. Yeah, Part 1. Part Oops. 1. You're going to hear more about that in the episode if you're a patron over at patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon in the stranger tier, the $5 tier and above. Lots of other things going on. Every week we're doing a Hot D episode discussion hosted by our friend Maddie. That is for Thunder tier and above patrons that have access to our private Discord server. So come hang out, Thunder tier and above, and every Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. ET. That's you time, Eliana time. Uh, I guess so. It's you time too. (laughs) UT. Wait, nope, that's a different time soon. Oh my gosh. And of course, we'll be back every week with these episodes, you guys, during the season. See you folks then on uh, what's next week? Episode three. We'll be back for that one. So without further ado, I guess let's jump into it with Kim. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here because it seems like this is like this episode. You seemed very about some of the themes in it and some of the happenings in it. And I'm excited to get your takes. Yeah. Well, what you I want you to start. What did you think? Because like with (laughs) with a lot of these episodes. So I've already seen the first six um, which is like so mm. many. I was honestly shocked when I found out we were getting like more than half the season up front. Um, yeah. So I've been sitting with them and like ruminating on them for a while, and it's very exciting to me to like hear other people talk about them. Did you both overall like the episode? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've been I've been excited for the show because I've said this many, many times, and I'm still feeling gloaty about it. This is the one that I wanted adapted, right, of the of the prequel stuff or any of the things that could have been adapted in George's world, and apparently George agrees with me. Uh, so. <laughs> no brag, no brag. This, this yeah. is the one that we, we wanted adapted, me and George. But, um, yeah, I think that they did a good job with this. There's a lot that they crammed into this um, episode. It was, I think, definitely faster paced than the last one. And the time skip is interesting. But, I mean, overall, I was happy with the episode. How about you, Chloe? I think that it was a good second episode. It was strong. There was a lot. It was a little clunky. So, like, I try to look at it from, like, what if I had never read these books? What mm, would I really yeah. think then? Sure. Right? Like, even if I was, like, an uber Game of Thrones fan and just had never read the books, like, what would I think? And it does make me think, I'm like, wow, how are they devouring this? I hope that they're getting it. And I know a lot of, you know, there's a lot of sites and people that do the the memes and the infographics and good timelines, like over Insider, <laughs> that are like, they can keep you a little on track. Um, but I don't know, because this is our, you know, successor series here, I'm kind of just rolling with it and I love it. Like everything feels like some of it can be maybe overbearing, but I love it. I love, I love it. I'm very happy. I like the pace. I think it's a slower pace, though, this episode. I'm surprised really? you think it's a faster pace. Because hmm. I thought no, it was no, slower. No, you're right. It is, it is slower. It, it's just, just slow I think, burn, clunkier. Though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but I like it overall. And I don't know. It's fun. It feels more fantasy than the mm-hmm. first series in some ways. And more soap opera, which I'm fine with. And Because that's it. Over, that, like, that's overall, what it that's, is. It's, yeah, yeah, the dance is just a dragon soap opera, which is literally all I want to watch. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, I I really liked I liked that it was slower because I feel like they could have decided to just try and like keep everyone on their toes all the time and make sure and mm-hmm. like, yes. yeah. slice off a few limbs every episode or whatever. But it feels like they kind of like came out the gate with like a lot of intense like visceral violence. And then the fact that they chose to like jump ahead six months and then just like 
let us sort of marinate in how all of these relationships are continuing to like fracture or like morph Mm -hmm. or whatever. And I just like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I also wasn't sure. Like the, I, I really like the way that they're approaching. They're sort of focusing in on Rhaenyra as our main protagonist and like really spending time getting you to understand why both her and Alicent are eventually going to do what they do. And like, be at total odds with one another and it's just yeah I just I really appreciated that writing choice as opposed to like I feel like with Game of Thrones sometimes you would have like a pretty good moment for like one of the women characters or something but then the next episode it was just kind of be like a reset of like the momentum for what's going on with that person and so the fact that they're really letting you sit and watch how Rhaenyra like yeah just got named heir to the Iron Throne but is now basically at every turn being treated like garbage by a man and not respected. And like, clearly that's going to have dire consequences in the future. Yeah. And I mean, it, as you said, right, it really goes into exploration of how she's changing and developing as a person because you really see that insecurity in her and how she's trying to convince herself that, that it's all real when no one else is acting like it is. Yeah. Something I haven't written this up yet but I probably will soon but one of the folks that I got to talk to before after just seeing the first episode and then we did like the press junket and so I was I was speaking with Emma Darcy who plays older Rhaenyra so like even though we haven't Mm -hmm. met that version of the character yet Emma Darcy was still like able to sort of speak to the overall approach and they pointed out that like it's almost like watching in real life like how allyship works And how, like, there's a huge difference between saying, like, I support this person or, like, this, like, these are, like, my beliefs. And then, like, actually doing day-to-day actions that support that. And, like, so I feel like this was the first episode where you see how Viserys has, like, is, like, almost setting Rhaenyra up to fail by naming her as the heir. And then, like, holding her in place as cupbearer and following Otto's lead when it comes to kind of like shushing her ideas at the table and all of this stuff it's like his his actions are speaking a lot louder than his words yeah why would anyone respect her like he quite plainly doesn't he didn't I mean you know we kind of talked about this earlier you get her as a cupbearer which is a very important place to be you're hearing all the stuff in the council but it's been six months she's the heir and especially because of kind of the norms for the gender of their society. She can't just go on to be a squire or a knight. When you're a cupbearer, you go up from there. But the society's already literally checkmate. It's over. Mm -hmm. It's got so many rules and parameters that you can't break apart. It's like they're just there. Or if, like, if I think if the king really wanted to, he could but he's choosing not to like he he's he broke part of protocol i guess by like naming her his direct heir which has never been done before but then didn't do anything else to to like continue to break up that system um so like obviously it's not going to work because he's not dismantling everything he just went for like the shiniest apple on the tree and then is assuming that everything else will work out and clearly it's not going to yeah which is how he lives his life. Yeah. yeah. In general, he's like, mm, it's going to be fine. It's going to, I'm going to just do whatever I want and not really actually do anything and it'll work out. And I'm like, it, no, the series. And we'll see how that all plays out this episode. Well, how about that new intro? Oh, goodness. Yeah. Yes. Threw me for a freaking loop. I was like, 
I'm sorry, what are all these things? I still, like, all of the, the Twitter thread I saw you guys le- uh, linked was so helpful. I was like, what the hell? How's the average person yeah. supposed to understand anything from this? Because we didn't at first. Well, to be fair, we were so excited. Like, it was just so cool. It was Kind of metal. Cool. I was like, the blood and Valyria. Uh, oh, my God. I was excited and then immediately realized, like, oh, it's... I've kind of made it my job to explain these things to people. And I was like, shit, I'm going to need some backup. (laughs) (laughs) Rewind, rewind, rewind. Need some help. Conqueror's crown uh, broke it all down really well. And I think it's the crowns, it looks like, right? So it's supposed to be the ruler's crowns and the bloodline trickling down. So, and I think it's going to change as we introduce new characters in the season, I'm guessing, as the season progresses, like next season for sure, you'll have a lot of new children to add to it, it seems, to Rhaenyra's line or to Damon's line. But I love that each crown or each piece corresponded because for Rhaenyra, you got that Celtic knot yeah. from the necklace that Damon gave her. And that was gorgeous. And it's like kind of like a Trinity knot, kind of like a love knot, but it's like unending love and the Trinity of the mother, the maiden, the crone, mm. right? And the mother was our big focus this episode mm. between the our stepmother, our stepmommy, <laughs> you know, Alicent, and uh, our mother, Emma. Yeah. yeah, I guess that is uh, that is what she is. Stepmommy. <sighs> oh, Alicent, my darling, I feel for you. I do. I do. I also feel like they're setting Alicent up to be the, like, it's like she's the one following the rules closest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, that bitterness of, like, well, I'm doing what I was supposed to do, and now my life sucks, as opposed to, like, Rainier's... I think maybe a little still has more agency because of her position. Right. She she doesn't quite understand, I think, those same constraints. She is a little naive to that, but not to everything, right? She understands that she has positions to fill and hasn't necessarily always been taught to to do that politicking yet, right? Um later on I'm jumping ahead, but and we'll come back to the the intro, but like, you know, Otto has to tell her this is where you thank him for his service. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's definitely still learning. Yeah. Which, I mean, makes sense. I, I don't know anything when I was 14. I was like, I don't know. It's yeah. the first day of high school. Yeah. <laughs> but he just has to be such a shithead about it. Mm-hmm. And his sour little face. He always, like, looks very concerned. And I'm like, you just figure- <laughs> you figured out how to, like, knit your eyebrows together so that people think that you're being, like, very serious and contemplative. But he's just, like, being a shithead. I don't. Yes. He was real 4D scheming this episode, right? Like he was every dimension. He was playing every game and in his mind everywhere at all times. Um, Yeah, he was something. I don't know. I don't know about that, Otto. I just, I think that the writing team is doing a really good job of setting up every person's like conflict with the the other. It honestly does kind of remind me of Succession in the way that Succession Mm -hmm. does a very good job of like, you know what every character wants or like what they're kind of going for and therefore you understand how it starts to go wrong or like whenever like power kind of shifts in one way or another and so I just I loved Mm -hmm. that entire Dragonstone scene because like Rhaenyra flying in with her dragon like literally saved his ass basically and like did a good job got out of there like with the egg and without bloodshed like she said but like you watch in real time how Otto goes from being like I'm here on the king's orders to being like completely shown up by a teenage girl mm-hmm. on a dragon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's good that she reminded him, too. Like, mm-hmm. don't forget, I have the dragon. You don't, Otto. 
But there are some problems that do need to be solved with bloodshed, maybe, probably. And by that, I mean we uh, have read Fire and Blood and are going to talk about it. This is a Spoilers All uh, podcast, so let's talk about the crab feeder. Let's talk about, like, that opening scene with a... Honestly, low-key, I was like, ooh, delicious, when all those oh crabs were walking across the screen. I was like, that is not how I'm supposed to feel about this scene, well I think. Fed. Well fed. Well like, fed crabs. Mm, crab beast. <laughs> Happy crabs. Uh, it was gross. Yeah. 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 It was great. It was a very... That felt classic Thrones to me, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that feels so classic. Opening up, that was the gore. It was a, a slow horror, because I feel like... And I know especially, like, with the births, for example, they're kind of giving a theme to each one they've kind of hinted at this season. But for me, I'm like, it seems like they're bringing different horror elements into every episode. And I don't know, for me, that's what I love about media is, like, a media that can embrace so many different uh, genres in one piece, right? Like, you can have a fantasy show, but it can also have horror and, uh, you know... It can have romance, it can have action, it can have suspense, it can have everything built into it in different ways. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like a musical piece, right? Like, you're, like, musically playing it with all these pieces to bring emotion, evoking a song, (laughs) like a composition. And No, not like that one! Get out of here, Rhaegar! Agar, Aegon, pick one. A song? A song of ice and fire? No! No. I'm so tired of you. (laughs) I loved that scene, too, because, like, the cut to the small council meeting and, like, Otto, again, shithead, being like, well, we're going to make an offering to their families. And I'm like, bro, do you not understand that it's, like, (laughs) like, money doesn't just, like, fix people's problems when someone that they love has died (laughs) a horrifying death at the hands of a scary pirate? Like, Mm -hmm. it reminds me of Game and Pale Hair in Fire and Blood. One of the laws they put forward was, like, if you lose a limb in your Lord's service that Sylvana and Essie were pushing, like, you would stay with the Lord and he would have to take care of you till you died. And I'm like, see, these are the laws for the people. Yeah. This is, Otto doesn't care about the laws of the people. No. And, like, Viserys is so, like, oh, I sent an envoy. Like, he just, like, does the bare minimum to show yep. that he is, you know, ruling or whatever, but he thinks he's he thinks he's such a nice guy and he's not. Patty Considine is really good at that tension too, I think, between like this yeah. guy who clearly like knows how to be warm and like friendly when he needs to and like charming, knows how to be like serious and like a king, but he like I don't know, at the end of the day is just wrong like all the time. Absolutely. And he doesn't quite he seems to ha- think that he got to where he is based on merit, as opposed to like how the episode ends, right? This idea of we have to have made ourselves when you're mm-hmm. not, you know, the first and the heir, etc. And uh, as you said, right, he's, he's just doing a great job and he, he doesn't quite understand the need for using force when we've seen that other Targaryens have done so. We see Jaehaerys and Alysanne do that. Chloe and I just revisited... Aegon's wives, Rhaenyra and Visenya, mm. and Visenya was fantastic at being like, you don't really need to always burn them, but you gotta do something. You have to do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a gentle threat. <laughs> you can yeah, a gentle threat. <laughs> burn a building no, near but where all the people <laughs> yeah. are. And be like, hey, yeah. just yeah. so you know, I could You're annihilate next, you. Buddy. Yeah. Reminder. Reminder. Yeah. Uh. I did love the time jump. I did not expect it that fast. And, yeah. I, and now I'm seeing, because we have the weeks ahead, which we'll talk about at the end, we'll speculate a little. I guess Kim can't. Kim, you gotta 
<laughs> but uh, next week's episode, like you can see, there's definitely a two-year time jump, it looks like, going on or so. Uh, there's babies galore coming out of them. So there's going to be some time jumping. Maybe I just don't know enough babies in real life, but I have such a hard time, <laughs> like, knowing the difference between, like, a one-and-a-half-year-old and, like, a four-year-old. Like, they all... Yeah. So, like, I don't know. Like, yeah, that baby in the weeks ahead, I was like, how old is that kid? It's not I talking. Don't, I don't talking, know. talking happens around, like, two? Yeah. That's a great question. I actually don't know that much um, about babies. I'm talking, like, reading is more around two, right? I mean, well, then that's why, like, when we speak of children, often they're spoken of in months, right? Because there's, yeah. like, so yeah. many different developmental stages. Yeah. But you had said, Eliana, that it looked like he could hold himself up, right? It looked like he could sit up, and that's significant, right? Because apparently babies have to learn to sit up, which I didn't know before. They, like, have so... no neck muscles or something. Yeah. Like... And he's, he's got a lot of like hair. One. I think he's, he's one. He's got to be one, which means it's, like, been a year and nine months or so. Because then also she's yeah. pregnant, right? So... It's all happening. It's moving. So that's a big jump. I'm excited to, like, I, I know you've gotten to experience it, but I'm like, what's going to happen yeah. there? Yeah, yeah. And then also how many more time jumps until the time jump that, like, everyone knows about the time jump. Obviously, there's a big one coming. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how many more we have now because I just, you know, Game of Thrones didn't play like this. I know. This is a fun, this is fun. It is. I love yeah. new treats. It's new. It's it exciting. Is. Yeah, that was something Ryan Condal also said during one of our chats was that, like, he really, he's always loved episodes of TV where, like, it takes you a little while to orient yourself of, like, you have to, like, listen and, like, look for some context clues to, like, figure out exactly, like, what time it is. And so, like, that's what mm. House of the Dragon is doing. So I think it was, like, you know, a couple minutes into this one where someone says, like, Damon's been at Dragonstone for over six months now. And it's like, oh, okay, boom, mm -hmm. it's been six months but like you weren't quite sure right away so yeah there's more of those to come um i do like that that scene when we do get to the small council you know they're all talking about rhyme red wine and i'm like haha i get it because they're pouring red wine into the cups and it uh, also evokes of course the intro it it reminds yes. us of the intro scene mm -hmm. as well i'm like oh yes blood blood yeah <laughs> it's coming I, uh, I'm bummed that we didn't get more Ryum. I know that it's it's great we got him at all, to be fair. But uh, I had a feeling he'd die in the night, off screen, you know, at the hour of the bat or something. And I'm glad they poured one out for Ryum Redwine, for sure. Uh, I, I actually thought this was great to open with this council scene right after that again, because it is, as we'll talk about, the feast for the crows here six months later. And... Um, it's kind of upsetting to me. Rhaenyra doesn't get treated great in this council. We learn about the Daemon and Dragonstone thing. He's kind of being a giant baby. And Viserys, a bigger baby, has done nothing about it. He's like, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Let my baby brother just rent out the house, the beach house. Yep. Even though that's, like, kind of yeah. rude. It's, like, really rude it because it's Rhaenyra's house. It's not yeah. his house. He brought all of his cops to the beach house also. Oh, my God. <laughs> He yeah. did. He brought. Wait, no. This is this is also just like it's literally gemstones. Yes, no, it is. It's just exactly. righteous gemstones. I like how you knew where I was. Yeah, going. it's literally righteous gemstones. It's the God Squad. So Damon and his God Squad <laughs> are like frat boying it up at her house. That is her house in like less than a year. That's her house. I know she'll take it. Don't you worry. But like that is, you should be nicer. It's being rude. Yeah, I agreed. Agreed. So not only is Viserys like letting him stay at Rhaenyra, the heirs, heir seat. 
the seat where the heirs stay. They put their butts there at Dragonstone, historically. They also um, kick Rhaenyra out yeah. of the council. Yeah. Just because she has like a good suggestion about the Stepstones war they're talking about. Yeah. No, Viserys doesn't want good suggestions. That's the problem. <laughs> or hates good ideas. No, loves bad ideas. Yeah. I also found it like borderline comical the way that he went to like every person he could think of to like oh my get God. to 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 get to like try and find someone to tell him that maybe he shouldn't marry Lena, but every single person without fail was like, oh no, that's the smart move. That's a smart move. Oh yeah, that's a smart move. Yeah. And then he's like, I'm assuming that he had some like midnight chat with Otto, and that's why Otto brought Alicent to the small council at the end so that they could have the I dramatic guess. final rose reveal. Oh my god, oh my god. who yes. will get it? Who will get it? I need to join the Bachelor fandom. Yeah, I'm not really in it either, but I know that much. I want to be... I want to be in it. I'm aspirational oh, no. about myself. Okay, Marjorie Terrell, sit down. I, mean, I do. Who will like get the rose? They're having a lot of fun in that fandom, okay? They're having so much fun, and I want to be part. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, yeah, so they kick Rhaenyra out. They're like, mm, no good ideas, sorry. Nothing that actually has to do with action. And they're like, why don't you go choose the new Kingsguard? You know, it's whatever. Just go choose one of the new justices that we're never going to be able to oust. Whatever. <laughs> no big deal. Give her something to do. Go look at the boys with the muscles, Rhaenyra. Run along. And and she did. Oh, she did. They should be careful what you wish for, right? Be careful what you ask your heir to do, because she just made a faded choice, man. And of course, she chooses a warrior, not any of these tourney knights. Mm -hmm. uh, which I love. It's very smart, right? She says, oh, you're a real warrior because you've been in the Dornish incursions. Maybe should have chosen a tourney knight. I don't know. But he's so cute. <laughs> yeah. If evil, why hot? If evil, why hot? <laughs> uh, I mean, I just loved, again, the way that like they managed to show us how, like, Yes, she's young. Maybe she doesn't know all like the niceties about thanking dudes for catching almost poachers. I also I listened to that scene twice and I'm like, did they say that he caught a would-be poacher? So I'm like, this man just like arrested a guy who hadn't done anything wrong yet. Some minority report shit. Sounds like cop behavior to me. Yeah, exactly. Agreed. <laughs> so like, yeah, I I kind of was like, yeah, you should just ignore that man, whatever. Um I loved the detail that he was the, Sir Christian Cole's the only person without a page there or like a squire. Everyone else has like mm. a little dude holding the banner behind him, but Sir Christian Cole's just like there in his like plain silver armor. So I think like they did kind of a good job of like, yeah, playing up the whole, he's kind of an outsider and she's feeling like an outsider right now. But like, we know that he is skilled. He just beat the shit out of Damon in the last episode. And she watched that and was like, all right, cool. I like my uncle. If you can beat the shit out of him, then you're probably pretty solid. Um, so I, I, I see her logic, but yes, it is a very fateful choice. I also love the little detail of her like being on a stool. Like she has like heels on yes. and she's on a stool and she still has to like get onto her tippy toes to like get a proper look at everything going on. I love her. She's small. Small yeah. bean. She's love small. Them. There's something great. One of our friends over at our Discord, our patron Maddie, pointed out that his armor is like the only dented armor there. Oh, yeah. So mm. if you look, his armor has actual use. And same at the tourney. Like he was the only one without fancy armor. So... 
um, definitely has actually seen real battles. At first she's kind of like, what do I do here? And then she looks up and she sees Rainey's staring at her. And then I, I assume then she remembers Rainey's being like at the tourney saying, none of these knights have ever seen actual battle. Yep. And, and then gets the idea of like, this is a way to actually determine to create this tiebreaker. Yeah, Kristen Cole, as you said, right? He, he doesn't have a squire page there. It fits into that idea of, like, these are people who have had to make themselves in the world. They don't have it handed to them. And interestingly, he has done so by being part of the Dornish marches, right? Like, those boars, right? Living there among some marcher lords. And as we all know from the first episodes where they exclaim, he's Dornish. Maybe half, it seems like perhaps his mother is. And, like, that's interesting that he fought on the side of the Stormlands then would have been against the Dornish and I'm like oh so he's just used to betraying the teams or the people he's supposed <laughs> yeah. to be for I think yeah. so I think that's it yeah I think he's like supposed to be sort of at this stage like the naive outsider who thinks mm, that yeah. he understands the order of things in like royalty and honor and like all this stuff and it's like Oh, uh, yeah. He's going to quickly figure out that, like, this is a, a merit-based system <laughs> of, like... Yeah. yeah. Like, yes, he I guess He goes that. where the money's going. <laughs> Kristen Cole and his motivations are such a mystery in Fire and Blood, so being able to get that depth will be really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we'll talk about it in a bit. Alicent and him have their first interaction in this episode, which I almost, like, blink and you miss it. So mm. that's kind of exciting. Where she says, like, bring the hand back safe. Sir Kristen. Mm-hmm. Sir Kristen, her knight. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> so it turns out both of you girlies don't like your hubbies. <laughs> uh-oh. And you both have the same crush now? This stepmom stuff is hard. It's hard. It's not easy. Yeah, I'm just... Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh. <laughs> Viserys and Alicent break a dragon, right? So feels like a metaphor they're at his warhammer set which he didn't build by the way stonemasons built it and i thought that was also a metaphor i'm like oh so you didn't build any of this and you're just sitting on it Hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. interesting interesting yeah just thriving off that golden jaharis era Mm -hmm. tells allison not to tell rhaenyra of their meetings red flags red flags uh but also wants her to fix his relationship with his daughter at the same time, simultaneously. Garbage. Garbage man. Garbage father. Garbage king. <laughs> I just, it drives me bananas. I'm like, if you know, if you're telling her not to tell your daughter, then you know that what you're doing is wrong on some level or that what you're doing would upset someone on some level. Like, you don't ask someone to keep, like, your quiet lunchtime conversations alone. Second red flag, you haven't noticed that this poor girl is, like, shredding her fingers open in front of right. you all the time. <laughs> that's that's such a great... Because he's, like, oblivious to everything he doesn't want to see. Yes. You know? Totally. He only sees what he wants to see. But, like, yeah, it, it really evokes him being, like, don't tell Rainier. It evokes, like... Ugh. This is going to sound gross, but, like, it is a gross, it is a gross situation. It reminds me of, like, those those videos they show you in health class to warn you against predators where mm-hmm. they're like, this will be our little secret. And I'm like, yup. Chill out there, Viserys. Yup. No, totally. And, like, and also the fact that Otto sending her to the room was, like, its own weird secret. Okay, great. Now my my father, my only family member in this castle, 
I can't talk to about how this makes me uncomfortable because he's the one making me do it. And she's been explicitly told by the king not to tell Rhaenyra. And I do think that Alicent, they're also setting up Alicent as like the rule follower, right? Like she might have, she has like, she seems to have like a little bit of like a rebellious streak or whatever, but like that scene in the gods, what I keep thinking of. Cause like, that's, I mean, now that we know that the marriage announcement's been like made at the end of this episode, it's like, that's probably the only scene we're going to get of Rainier and Alicent, like, yeah. entirely alone and, like, kind of relaxed around each other. And the fact that Alicent was still trying to be like, we have to do what the Septa says, like, f- like read your book. And Rainier was like, fuck this book. She's, yeah, like, to her own detriment, keeps following mm-hmm. the rules and, like, is now in a position where she's lost her best friend slash maybe girlfriend. And it's really sad. Yeah, it is. She's, like, trapped between, you know these two men and they're isolating her and i think that that is really important right? you were talking about allyship allyship can't happen when you're isolated right and that's why people totally. are afraid of creating that sense of organizational power and and by tearing them apart right they can't form these bonds to be able to to get the things that they want to do done they can't form power right it doesn't only happen in isolated um rooms and I think another reason it bothers me is because, like, he never thought that all this time, like, wow, I'm here really talking about Valyria and all these things and histories and stuff with uh, this girl who is the same age as my daughter. Like, that entire time that you were in your grief and talking about your family's history, you could have been talking about it with the person for whom that is also her family's history and then bonding and sharing that together. But he's just absolutely not an adult in any way and i understand he's grieving but it's like homie step up well i think it also comes back to the choice that he made for emma right like miguel sapochnik the way that he said it means like miguel saw it as him effectively murdering his wife right and also i saw someone on twitter pointing this out like nobody went to get rhaenyra to say like hey your mom is dying and like you can come and say goodbye right now right like everything that Viserys should have done after that he doesn't do because I genuinely think he's like too full of shame to like Mm -hmm. actually be around his daughter anymore because he knows that he did something terrible that Emma and Balon died anyways and so like you're totally right that like all those conversations he should just be having with Rhaenyra and then he's also just a freaking hypocrite like when she, when Rhaenyra tries to apologize for like the small council guffaw, he cuts her off and says like, oh, you're, you're young, you'll learn. In one instance, he can talk down to her and like disrespect her ideas or her like importance in the room by saying that she's young. And then when he's made up his mind pretty much to marry her best friend, he says, oh, I forget sometimes that you're a woman grown now. Oh, very convenient of you to now suddenly see your 14, 15 year old daughter as a woman grown because you're hours away from announcing that you are marrying her best friend with with the motivation and intention of getting your best friend pregnant as soon as possible, which you now know is an extremely dangerous predicament for a woman to be in because she might die. Just let that soak in, folks. <laughs> and there's that moment right opposite of that where Otto says to Allison, like, you're the most comely woman in court. Ugh. And so they both are growing them up, like, right there, right then, to avoid that shame. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. It, it's, it's so weird. It's, 
I, I, as you said, right, I, I love that you pointed out part of it has to do with his shame and his guilt, and that's why he won't, and that's why he likes spending time with Allison, because she's playing the dutiful role her father told her to, be, that he does. He plays Yes Man, and she tells him, like, oh, they don't understand you, right? They don't see, he's, you're so agreeable. She, she builds him back up, because... Yeah. Because she has to. Because she has literally no other choice. Yeah, that's her job. And and he doesn't understand, like... But he does know. That's another part of his shame. Like, he knows that she can't say no to his, like, playtime with Legos. Like, he knows she, as the hand's daughter, I mean, Otto, he knows in his head Otto will jump up his ass to get power, right? Like, he knows that Otto is into that. He also knows, like, in a way, he's using that connection. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that Allison Hightower girl's real nice, and obviously she's showing interest in me because she's coming to my room every night. So, quite frankly, like, this is just what's going to happen. I'm just going to tell her she can't tell anyone, and we're just going to play Legos all day because he's a little boy. That's been talked about, I think, especially recently and, like, maybe especially within, like, entertainment circles and stuff as, like, an an acknowledged pattern that abusers have, which is that they convince themselves that they didn't do anything wrong or that the women wanted to be Uh in that hotel room or like whatever because like interesting there's a self-delusion associated with like a power imbalance once you get to a certain Mm -hmm. level of like wanting to think that people just genuinely enjoy your company as opposed to the fact that you have manipulated them into being there and are making them uncomfortable and are choosing not to see that or recognize it so and it is yeah. sad because he is alone, right? Like, we see him yeah. go through this episode. He gets very isolated. And it's like, he also is alone. So it's sad because he obviously doesn't also know how to socialize anymore on that level. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like, he has no clue how to healthily converse. It sure isn't, you know, everything he's done for the last six months. So it's just sad because it's like, it's sad on both levels. Like, he could have been a better king. He could have done these things. And he chose to, you know, be consumed by grief. Yeah. And there are at least two people I can count in this episode who wo- who do enjoy his company. Like, mm-hmm. they legitimately do. Um, one of them goes to great lengths to, to, to try and get his company. We'll get there in a second. I have to say, before we run down to talk about Corleys and Rainies and Viserys, the Rhaenyra and Alicent and the Sept, what I am guessing, don't spoil me, Kim, is my <laughs> very last time ever seeing them agreeable and sweet together. I mean, this is just an educated guess, but, you know, the last time emotionally, I mean, it was beautiful. Uh, they got me a little teary-eyed with the crying and praying and very sad because this build-up is really going to break down and it's going to hurt even more. I know. Yeah, I loved that scene too. And it's also, it just feels... I feel like Game of Thrones did this a couple times with, like, women having conversations in, like, temple or, like, prayer settings or something. But, mm. yeah, like, this idea that, like, that and the godswood are, like, the places where they can speak mm. freely because there's no one else really around and no one seems to care what little girls pray about <laughs> in Seps. Like Sansa. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, like, a nice moment of, like, feminine intimacy in front of what I assumed was the mother statue. Yeah. That's what I assumed I also. Think it has to it be. Has, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're praying to the mothers. It must. It makes sense, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's what it would be. And yeah, I mean, it was just it's such a sad scene. If you know what's like gonna happen next. And um, yeah, I think that they also do a good job of showing you like all of like the niceties that Alicent 
has with Viserys. It's like she it, she does just genuinely seem like someone who knows how to be comforting to people because like she lost her mother and seems to have like absorbed sort of like how to process grief in that way and is happy mm. to like pass that on to Viserys and Rhaenyra wherever she can. But unfortunately, the fact that she's being used as like this pawn is like quickly putting an end to that basically i think well and you can see her hold back right in the sept with her you can see that she like gets her to the moment where rhaenyra can have some emotional clarity and is like i want this for you but she doesn't attach herself to it and she stays very reserved about it and uh she doesn't quite open up herself right she talks a little bit about her mom but you can tell she's really just thinking about viserys and like the niceties so look at otto when he's standing next to rhaenyra I mean, this is how she's been, what she grew up, like, being told how she needs to be, and Rhaenyra was not usually told that, so, like, Otto was almost cowing Rhaenyra and, like, telling her, no, you need to be a nice girl, no, you need to say, say this, this is the queenly thing to say, this is the polite feminine thing you should say to these men out here, where Alicent, you know, she says those things very prettily. She has them at the ready, and yes, they tear her apart, but she does know them already. Rhaenyra has never had to. Yeah. We also don't exactly know, right, how Allison's mother died, do we? And, like, there's something kind of now gross in that she's been forced to turn her mother's death into something that was her own. And this personal thing, this personal grief Mm -hmm. between her and her father and this huge loss into a political tool. Right, Her mother's death has turned into something that was for her, into something that she uses to manipulate her best friend and her best friend's dad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's true. I I do think there's something more genuine when she tells it to Rhaenyra as opposed to when she uses the same pickup lines on her dad. Yeah, I think maybe because she like genuinely seems to really know Rhaenyra, whereas like, yeah. I know she's been having lunches with him and stuff or whatever, but, like, I feel like she probably views Viserys as a little bit more of a stranger or, like, Mm -hmm. a separate person. She's nervous. Yeah. She's very nervous around him, obviously, as we see. Hello, Mr. Targaryen, sir. Is Rhaenyra here to come out to play? (laughs) Like, literally, that's, like, the only interactions I would have. I'd be like, hello, is my friend here? I don't think I was ever alone with one of my friends dads when i was a kid or in high school and if i was i probably would have been very uncomfortable i don't know how to talk to dads when you're freaking 14 <laughs> no thanks yeah, what do you talk about tool sheds i don't even remember i guess not there's a reason and he must know that's inappropriate uh, he has oh. to know let's be real we'll uh well about more inappropriate so Corleys, Rainies, and Viserys have a little exchange. They're like, look, no hard feelings about the council, but about that, we kind of want to still go to war with the Stepstones, and that's fine. We could maybe set it aside, but also, you could marry my 12-year-old daughter, and that would fix everything. All the wrongs of the past several decades would just <laughs> melt away. <laughs> All would be well. <laughs> oh my god. I love this scene, too, because, again, it shows how, like, Viserys is so, like, oh, don't worry about that tension. This is my favorite cousin. We're just having fun. Like, he just, like, wants to make surface small talk all the time. And then the second anything serious comes up, he's like, oh, oh, I don't know about that. And that's why, again, not to jump ahead (laughs) too much, but, like, at the end when Damon is like, that was never my brother's strong 
suit or whatever. And Corliss is like, what? He's like being king. He's fine. <laughs> He's fine having the, the chit chats at the barbecue with his favorite cousin and like talking about the weather or whatever. But like the second things get serious, he ca- He's such a coward. Yeah. He's an emotional coward. He's like my favorite cousin. And she's like, that's so funny because you're literally my least favorite cousin. <laughs> like of all of my 800 cousins, you're the one I never want to see again. Yeah. How funny is that? Oh, that's so ironic, Viserys. And then, yeah, and then you get Corley's being one of the first ones to be like, can I speak freely? And he's like, of course, I love honest opinions. <laughs> Liar. Yeah. And I don't think Corliss is wrong. Like, no. I appreciate that Corliss is like the one who, you know, kind of gave Rhaenyra a little bit of support or like at least just seemed interested mm-hmm. in listening to her which is not what a single other man in that room felt like doing. Corliss was at least going to like hear her out and like talk talk the strategy through, you know, like no bad ideas. Corliss is like a no bad yeah. ideas guy. Whereas Viserys is like, yeah. oh, you only have bad ideas, Rhaenyra, shut up. Like, excuse you? That's auto talking through him, it feels like, but still. I do think that he does like the avoiding war thing, I will say is like, that is big, but like, as Corlys then says in this scene, well, the best way is just to go on right through it. Like, you gotta take care of it. You can't just let it fester like the wounds on your body, Viserys. (laughs) It's a metaphor. Yeah. (laughs) And I wonder if he's just, like, more willing to listen to... Is he more willing to listen to Rhaenyra's opinions because he's used to respecting women's opinions like his wife? Hmm. Well, that happens in the next scene, right? The the awkward family dinner where they're, like, talking about their work days and she just wants him to be maybe a little proud of her with the one task she did get to accomplish. Um, he's kind of a jerk, kind of condescending. He is. Yeah. Yeah, I think Corliss is a much better feminist. <laughs> like, he genuinely yeah. seems to still Make believe that his wife should have been named queen mm-hmm. and, like, has never quite let go of that, which... Again, I don't think excuses you pushing your 12-year-old daughter towards a grown man, but, like, I'm my most gratuitous interpretation of that on his behalf is that, like, he is still very much of the belief that someone in his immediate family should have a connection to the throne because Rhaenys was wrongfully passed over in her time or whatever. But, yeah, the maggots are a symbol. Ugh. Yeah, the feast... For crows. Um, okay, actually, the maggots are real, Eliana says. They're like, yeah, IRL, people still do this. This yeah. isn't just, like, old-timey. This is a thing? Yeah. It's so gross. I was like, we were sitting next to each other, and I just looked at her. I was like, what? I mean, it's also kind of, like, cool that, like, they just somehow yeah. know to only eat the dead flesh and not, like, your real flesh. Mm-hmm. Like, those are some discerning little bugs. <laughs> they are. They have taste. They've got taste. Um, they're tasting, that's for sure. They're doing a lot of tasting. This is the Viserys Targaryen tasting menu. Yeah. Well, no, they literally do. I'm trying to resist the urge to constantly be like, oh, they did this in House of the Dragon because they didn't do that thing in Game of Thrones. But I'm like, we didn't get like super gross Roose Bolton leech experience True. True. in Game True. of Thrones. So I feel like they were like, oh, is there an opportunity to not only show, like, crabs eating dead flesh, but, like, some live maggots doing it, too? Like, <laughs> let's get in there. Yeah, and I mean, we do actually also, leeching does still happen every now and then. Not They don't use it as, like, a, a foolproof pill anymore, right? They're not like, well, let's do leeching for everything. But there are times, 
leeching and maggots make sense and it's not like they use they don't use like maggots from the trash you know these are clean maggots okay oh so you have a problem with all of the maggots now no hashtag not hashtag not all maggots <laughs> interesting because <laughs> i thought you were uh, really supporting these bugs a few seconds no ago. i do so i no, i support their use in medicinal Hmm. medical properties and i mean hmm. yeah right like you said glossing over this feasting on hmm. corpses yeah i knew and a feast for crows this is a weird like several degrees of separation thing but i knew that leeching was <laughs> leeching was still a thing because there was a graze it was in a gray's anatomy episode oh <laughs> and also the director of this episode greg yaitanes i think why y-a-i-t-a-n-e-s i'm gonna call him greg Someone feel free to tell me how to pronounce that last name if you know. Um, I, because I really, like I said, I really like this episode. So, it, and honestly, this was an episode where the credits rolled and I was surprised that it wasn't one of the female directors. I thought for sure hmm. after seeing the episode, I was like, oh, this feels like an episode of television directed by a woman. And then it wasn't. So good for you, Greg. Um, he, um, he did House too. He did House. He was the executive producer on House. So they just bring him for all the medical stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was scrolling through his uh, his IMDb, and he directed two of my favorite Grey's Anatomy episodes in, like, season oh my two God. or three. And I was like, okay, yeah. Greg. Heck yeah. Good for you. <laughs> okay, Greg. He's perfect for this. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, I haven't looked at the writers yet for this episode, so maybe that's part of why... You're getting that sense? I don't know. It's just credited to Ryan Condal, but like huh. writing credits on episodes can be interesting sometimes because like usually they just yeah. pick one person in the writer's room to be the credited name, but like other writers might have written individual scenes or like done passes at the script to like change up dialogue or something. So I definitely I definitely feel like you can tell that they had women in the room when they were breaking a lot of these episodes, which makes me happy. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It shows. It Absolutely. does show. The series kind of shows up talking with the maggots in his hand, right? So the maggots are eating him away while Otto and the maester are flitting around him. And he's like, what do you guys think about my marriage prospect, Lena? And the maester's actually like, yes, absolutely yes. This is This would really fix a lot of things in the realm and like everything would be sewn together happily. And Otto's like, uh, I don't know about that. She's a little young, your grace. Like, shouldn't you look for, you know, a woman grown for this? I don't know about this girl. Sneaky, sneaky. Otto. Otto is, this whole episode, he's being a sneak. He is really setting seeds for war to brew this entire episode. That fake ass look on his face when he's like, (laughs) I don't envy you because Oh, I just can't, I couldn't possibly imagine the position that you're in. Let me remind you about how sad you must be. Except, wait, you're not sad when my daughter's in your room. Doesn't that feel good? Wouldn't you maybe like to marry her? Ugh. You know, just asking for a friend, though. Yeah. Just asking for a friend. Just wondering. Not for me. I thought it was interesting that the maester does give a, a decent honest opinion because i think after the previous episode a lot of people thought that the maester was like in otto's pocket pocket or something like that yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. it is interesting how viserys splits everyone up like the fact that he talks to sir lionel strong on his own for some reason like why wasn't lionel called to the maggot room that's so interesting especially because it almost echoes Tyrion, right telling the different story of who's going where just to see like 
the truth or not the truth. And mm. so it's like he's looking for truth on their own without the influence of one another. And yet he doesn't listen to any of them except for Otto. Yeah. Like, why'd you ask if you weren't really curious? Or do you just think they're all lick spittle pieces of crap? I mean, that also could be it, that he thinks none of them have a backbone, which is kind of true. We haven't really seen him... I don't, I don't know that Viserys has really changed much from episode one to two after Damon tells him, I think very accurately, like, all the men around you see you as weak because you are, and, like, they all just want something different from you. So maybe, maybe the splitting up was, like, him trying to be a little more politically savvy after getting roasted by Damon, but then again, I don't know. It turns out, like, a majority of council members, their goal and what they want is for the throne to be strong. <laughs> <laughs> what a novel concept. <laughs> well, the throne will almost be strong, but not quite. Well, get it? Because well, yeah, uh, I got the, it. The strong, She's talking about the boys, the lads. Uh, 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 <laughs> the boys. The uh, boys. Uh, before that, let's talk about a girl. Oh my god, I was so excited for this scene, you guys. I love Lena so much. I love oh, you, Lena. So I love cute. you, Lena, so much. Um, she's adorable. She does such a great job. But the scene with her and Viserys, I have to say, a lot of people were like, yo, I can't believe they're doing this. And something Game of Thrones really shied away from was kind of some of these. They did some age-ups to make things less com- less uncomfortable, which that's okay, because I mean, you know, you had to have Thrones happen in order to have Hot D happen. You couldn't have this without that. Yeah. But I'm so glad they're facing this kind of stuff. You know, like, they're straight up just going at it. They're like, yeah, let's make you uncomfortable. That's actually how media should be. It should take you out of your comfort level in some ways. So um, kudos to them for for that. And, of course, kudos to Lena just talking about dragons the whole time. I love her. I know. She's like, "Uh, one more time. Can you give me some (laughs) general map of where Vagar? Where is she? Where's that big dragon? Just for, like, maybe the next episode or two or something, yeah. maybe. Because we're, I think we're going to see her. Cl- I feel like she's going to claim Vagar on screen. I feel like they're going to give me this thing. And I, I think it's coming for me. I think that, you know, I have given for so long, and now I get to receive <laughs> this show. It's for me. It is for you. The show's for the girlies. It is. It really it is. is. It really is. It is. Part of me wonders, like, based on uh, something one of you was saying earlier of, like, you know, Viserys, he's weak, right? Um, and and he's he wants to believe that Alicent wants to be there and that she really thinks all these things about him and, and she's easy to control, right? Like, she says yes to everything that he's saying. Like, is he afraid of wedding Lena? Not just because she's young. Part of it is because she's really young and my partner, when uh, watching this happening, started yelling, No! No! Get away from her! Get away from her! <laughs> that is a child. <laughs> He's like, no, but, um, cause she's spirited. Well, she's spirit. Lena is spirited, but a, she has the backing of her family, right? Is he mm-hmm. afraid she has the backing of her family? B, does he realize, oh, there's a chance this child could become a dragon rider. And does that threaten him and his authority and his rule as King? Because then he couldn't threaten her as easily, right? He couldn't control her as easily if she has her own power through her family. And of course, physically, that is a really interesting point because, Alicent specifically is not interested in dragons. They took the time yes. to establish that in the first episode oh. when we, when Rhaenyra offers to like take her for a ride. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, and she's like, no, I'm good. 
and like has <laughs> doesn't seem to have any interest in that piece of like the Targaryen dynamic. But Lena came in hot with the dragon questions, hot. and she was like, "Tell me all about the dragons. I have so many questions." Um, and I do think they don't really ever explain this, but I absolutely think that Viserys is like somehow fearful of dragons or just like wants to stay away as much as possible. I don't know. In Fire and Blood, do they ever really do they ever really get into why he never bothered to ride another dragon after Balerion? I they never explicitly say it, but I always thought that the uh suggestion through the books is that you can't. A human can only bond with one dragon ever and that's it. Is my is what seems to be intimated. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the opposite is like that the dragons can bond with many, but not several. not more than at, not at the same time, not just same one time, at a yeah. time. And also, right. they don't care; they only go off of vibes. They're just like, yeah. I don't know, whatever. Dragons love vibes. They're like, mm, I'll just go to the other side of like your enemies now. They seem fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I think that 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 rings kind of true. And his ride on Balerion was sad. Like he only took like a ride on Balerion once, and it was just over King's Landing. Did a couple circles came back and and there's something like very tame about that right like they've all been tamed and we keep watching the dragons being put in the pit for example throughout the story and the the power is waning a little bit i'd say just a little it's the beginning of the end that is absolutely what it feels like and while this scene is happening i I love the the connection kind of going on up above as rhaenyra's watching this and she's like fuck my dad is gonna marry lena fuck and uh, Rainey's is sitting there and kind of gives her some hard, cold truths, right? She's like, your dad's going to remarry someone. He will produce heirs, and they probably will be males. Uh, but is going to break the wheel, right? <laughs> She's going to break that wheel. I feel like we probably talked about this on Twitter before, but maybe not. I mentioned this on my... on. When I was, I think, talking to Dave last night in, like, the Twitter spaces thing. But, no, Little Women, have you seen... Are, yes. are we all are we all fans of Greta Gerwig's Little Women? Oh, I, I haven't am. seen it, but I heard you talk about this. But yes, I am okay. very big fans. She, yeah, that this Rainey's monologue where like she says the line from the trailer completely reminded me of the speech that Joe March gives in Little Women, where she says like I believe you know women have minds and souls as well as just hearts, and like I'm so sick of people saying that love is all a woman is fit for or whatever and then in the trailer like that was it right you get like good like girl power moment it's a beautiful line Mm -hmm. and then in the movie she says all that and then there's like a pause and then she says but i'm so lonely and like that completely kind of recontextualizes like why she's so emotional about this fact about women um and how she feels and in this too like i was like yeah okay great speech of course like perfect for the trailer the realm would rather like torch itself before seeing a woman on the throne. And then like the stinger is when she says like, and your father is no fool or like, but your father is no fool because she's really putting the point on the fact that like Viserys is setting her up to fail that like he knows Mm -hmm. as good as anyone else does that there's going to be an issue with her ascension to the throne. If there are other male heirs in play and so I appreciated that, like, the speech wasn't just, like, pointing out the systemic thing that's wrong. It's also mm-hmm. really nailing Viserys on that point as well of, like, if 
if there was ever going to be something done about this, your dad would have to do it. And he's clearly not doing it because instead he's going off to marry someone else and try and have more babies. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get real. Which, like, I get that he has to do to, like, re- Like, obviously the odds of, like, your sole heir dying are bad. So you should probably have more than one, Mm -hmm. but still. Not not like this. Don't do it like this. Especially because, like, I think what they're hinting at is not just, you know, he has to because of the royal line, but because of the the prophecy, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So he, like, feels like, oh, yeah, we got to make sure that there's at least going to be some sort of Targaryen there that'll be able to take the throne and unite the realm. But... I mean, he kind of is a fool. Maybe I mean, part of it is like he takes it for granted, right? He's like, well, everyone just decided to name me king. So that's what will happen when I say that Rainier is the heir, right? Everyone's going to accept it like they did when there were two different claimants, but doesn't seem to truly understand, I guess, the what that really means and how, as you said, right? He's like absolutely like undercutting all of her power. And yeah, it's it's also just like, I don't know, it's a difficult scene because... It's a great scene, but it's a difficult interaction between them because I, I was discussing with this with Chloe, but like Rainey's doesn't come at it like with like the nicest attitude and Rainier is 14 and I'm going to be real at 14. I thought I fucking knew everything. Yeah. No, this is like a boomer yeah. talking to a millennial in high school and, <laughs> and trying to be like, <laughs> like, oh, you think, you know, you don't actually know how the world works. You can't tell a teenager that because they're as old as they've ever been. I think of I think about this all the time that like I felt so grown up when I was 18 years old. Yeah. If a single adult had tried to tell me that I was young, I would have like completely like hackles up, like shut the hell up. I'm an adult. <laughs> I have a job. I'm like I'm financially independent. I'm living my life. I'm an adult. But like it's because that's, of course, that's like, that's the oldest I've ever been. That's the most freedom yeah. I've ever had at this point in society or whatever. And you simp- you cannot thrust perspective upon a teenager. You just can't. They just no, have to learn can't. that. Like, they have to live that experience. Uh, and oh, she's going to experience yeah. it. Fuck. Yeah. And the fact that Rainey's comes at it from a, a slight point of like condensation and like condensation. Yeah. <laughs> Con- yeah. Condescension. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Not not missed. Um, condescension? This is this is definitely the point yes, at which on yeah. a Monday my brain stops working after like I would have been like, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. As you said, like Boomer, I'm not listening to you and there's a way to that she could have done it, and I mean I think it's really sad, right? Because yeah, Rhaenyra does legitimately think she can enact change even though and she's hoping she gets that chance, right? She's trying to do anything right now to do any change and legitimately believes at some point she'll be able to do that. And that opportunity does come for her during the dance war. And yet Rhaenyra does not choose to do so uh, because of what, uh, when it comes to the Rosby succession. Yeah, there's, you know, there's some traitors. They try to flip from green back to black, even though they were originally black. So they try to double cross, come back and say, please take us back. And Rhaenyra says, hell no. It was kind of two arguments. So their deaths left her with a nettlesome, pro- a nettlesome problem of succession. Uh, they each left a daughter, no sons. So by leaving a daughter, maybe marry Hugh and Ulf off into these houses and carry the line matrilineally. However, that would set a huge precedent. So Damon, feminist Damon Targaryen, um, 
<laughs> he really promoted this idea. He's like, Rhaenyra, you have to do this. Like, this is the way to do it. But Corlys said, no, that changes everything, which is interesting because... Corlys has been all about wife guy up until this point, we thought. Well, uh, he's but only a wife guy. He's only a wife. His wife. Only his <laughs> wife guy. Sorry, wife guys everywhere. Hashtag not all wives. <laughs> Hashtag not all wives. Um, sometimes a wife guy. So, uh, but then, you know, yeah, and then there's death. Well, she, so, was, de- she was dead by then. Yeah, so maybe he sends no, no wife. He's just depressed about it. And he's like, no, fuck women. <laughs> and their succession rights. Uh, but he does say, like, the lords will never accept you. If you do this, the lords will never accept you because you're going to uproot succession across the entire nation of Westeros. And so she basically has these two choices, either, just like coming back to that conversation of allyship, fight for women everywhere to have the right that she's burning down the country for, or get her fucking crown on her fucking throne. And she chooses her crown, her throne. She chooses herself over that idea and over that change. Not unlike her father, right? As we're seeing in these episodes, that he's not making the changes or calling, hey, this is the new succession for the throne. You know, this is, we're going to respect that our daughters could maybe rule too. Yeah. No, totally. I think that it is, I think that the show is doing a good job of setting you up to understand how like, um, and exactly like you were saying earlier, the way that isolation and demoralization are like the tools of oppression. Like tell someone that they have to do it alone and that they have to be like entirely focused on themselves in order to get ahead. And that's how you're going to stop like widespread change from ever happening because everybody will, everybody's being taught to like protect their own and no one outside of that immediate circle, like whether that's your spouse or a child or whatever, like, the fact that not enough people can extend that desire for change to outside of their own personal needs is going to be to the detriment of everyone. She p- she does pick her own and doesn't do that widespread change because, again, it would upend all the succession everywhere else. We would have a lot of little spin-off succession shows mm-hmm. um, everywhere. And, and I mean, also there's that other thought, too, right, of how do I rule from the inside of the system without being able to be... Like, if I don't win then I can't make this change instead of just making the change. Yeah. She's like, maybe she's kicking it down the road. We'll see how it plays out in the show. I wonder, you know, how they're going to to bring more depth to it. Because I think the show is doing a good job of bringing depth mm-hmm. to a lot of uh, the things that we see in Fire and Blood. And, and this speech, right, from Rainey's does a great job of showing how the patriarchy is a trap, right? It traps... It's trapping all of them, not just her. Um, it's, it's trapping um, also Rhaenyra. I think that was a point. I, I want to say Castle Black, the podcast, was making that point also in their uh, coverage of the very first episode. Their second one, I think, is not yet out. Yeah, and and for Rainey's, we see that she's forced to play in that same system too, right? Like, she's submitting her 12-year-old daughter to it in an attempt to power. take power for themselves, but also secure the power of, in general, the Valyrian line, etc. And, and for her daughter, she's like, well, this is the best place position I can put my daughter in even though it is also one in which she's vulnerable. Yeah. It's like there's really no safety in most directions for all the women in this society. Unless and like I think that Rhaenyra gets closest to that because she's a dragon rider. Like the fact yes. that she ha- the fact that she has enough agency to be able to like show up and surprise everyone on dragon back 
when like Otto just had to fucking sail on a boat there like a loser all night. Like it's great. She is she- a loser. <laughs> <laughs> Correction. Well, actually, it's because he is a loser. Cam. Not like a lo- is a loser. <laughs> Big loser. Uh, that's true though. I mean, you saw it in her eyes the second he was like, I'll get on a ship. She was like, oh, I'll get on my dragon. Good. Yeah. Peace. Deuces. <laughs> yeah. She's like, see you at home. Nerd. Smell you later. <laughs> well, and I love the uh, the Lena scene and Rainey's and Rhaenyra talking about it comes right back to back with Alicent and Viserys, right? Where Alicent is back and brings him a present. She brings the reforged dragon. Again, I think it could be a metaphor for something. <laughs> um, but brings him this dragon and now it's fixed and then Otto enters and interrupts right so kind of that same bearing of Rainey's is up there watching as her daughter is cattled off and Otto is here to uh say oh hello I see you and my daughter have been hanging out lately the series puts on his king's voice his lord's voice too which I thought was great that earlier you were saying that flip in character that he can play both he knows how to be both yeah it's a great character moment because once again you see that like I'm sorry, sir. If you need to fucking gather your skirts before someone can walk in the room when you're talking to a child, maybe you're talking to her in a way that isn't entirely appropriate. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, that was uh, a great moment. Because he does. He has to be like, oh, let me let me sort myself out here. Oh, uh, yes, come in. Like, ugh. <sighs> With those maggoty fingers. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> and now they're not anymore now the maggots have done their job i hope with all the talking up you've been doing of them maggots i would hope are so very effective people survive people okay. live because of maggots well <laughs> speaking of those maggots otto hightower calls an emergency session uh for the the small council because daemon targaryen has to be stopped he has stolen a dragon egg specifically we find out from rhaenyra listening and speaking with them uh, in Valyrian, that it is Dreamfire's egg, which set off the sirens for us. We're big Dreamfire fans because we love Reyna Targaryen. Uh, but yeah, so the, the scroll says he's taking two wives. He's like, Mizaria's pregnant. She's my other babe. She's my other wife. Uh, and I'm taking this egg. You know, I gotta start. They, my heir deserves an egg. Yeah. And then Otto's absolutely. like, no, sir. That's for fancy babies only. <laughs> <laughs> fancy. <laughs> and and they start the meeting and she's not she's just coming into the room the meeting has started without her even fully being in the room but i'm like i guess at least someone told her it was happening there's at least that yeah they totally did yep Mm. i feel like her being the perennial cupbearer is the equivalent of asking the only woman in the room to like take notes at a meeting yeah yeah oh yes oh holy shit Oh, shit. Shit. That's been me. Fuck. Fuck. Same. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. <sighs> We've all been there. That's horrible. Yeah. That is horrible. Or to uh, not be invited to the team meeting because they're like, oh, we'll catch you up later. Doesn't matter. Well, yeah. yeah. And she's the only one that gets anything done here. Like, she realizes immediately exactly. it's Dreamfire's. She's like, yeah, he's still Balin's egg. He's trying to get your attention, dad. Yeah, and it works. It does it work. Totally Dad works. Is like, I'm going, and honestly, he should have gone. <laughs> you think yeah. so? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe not. But like, if he had gone, everyone could hug, and then they would have like reunited, and then Damon would have been like, "You fucking idiot! Otto Hightower is trying to get you to marry his daughter, right?" But. 
But uh, I mean, Otto doesn't want him to go because he doesn't want him to connect with Damon. He's he's isolating. Mm-hmm. He's isolating the series, the series too. which is what abusers also do. And uh, yeah, he sent he sent Allison to to fill in the role of daughter wife, I guess. Yeah, like that that literally is what he does. He lies. Like later, he lies in the second when he's at Dragonstone. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, your grace would never, ever waste time on this here. He doesn't have time. But Viserys was like, I'm going. And he's like, no, you can't. You have to stay here. Not for any reason or anything. Or anything. Totally. Uh, and the next scene is him telling Alicent once more, you know, go seal the deal. Get in there. And that look she gives him, there's some pure hatred in that look, I feel like. Like that glare that she, she says, sure, dad, I'd love to. This will yeah. be great for me. She says like, <sighs> if you wish or something. Yup. Mm-hmm. Gritted yeah. teeth, glaring. And then Especially he, like after like, he like looked at her fingers again and was like Mm-hmm. Oh, why are you doing this? I don't know, sir. Why don't you ask why your daughter is dissociating and making herself bleed when she's spending company yeah. <laughs> around yeah, violent men? <laughs> well, of course, right? Of course it should be her fault. It could never be Otto's fault. It could never be the man's fault. No. <laughs> Never ever. He's just grieving his poor wife. Oh <sighs> my god, still. So hard. This is the best way to grieve, I hear. Dressing plotting. your daughter up in her dresses and <laughs> plotting. plotting and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do love like the dynamics, total schemes, just 40 schemes all day long. <gasps> the dynamic of when they get to Dragonstone and just like him and Damon, uh, the pure just poison between the two of them is great especially because matt smith as like puppy damon targaryen is very cute he's like my brother didn't come i did this for him this is literally i did all this for him i think maybe um and otto and him are just they go at it i love it the little exchange where he's like um otto's like this is gonna start a war and he's like wonderful (laughs) like i'd love a war Perfect. Like, Otto can't rattle him because he's just like, I don't give a shit about anything that happens other than I wanted to see my brother. Show me my brother. I need love. I mean, I love that it's so obvious, right? Like, that in his facial expressions that he really just did this for family attention. Our friends um, at Hot Pod, done by Stanford Fraser, and and his co-host, who I'm so sorry I forgot his name, uh, (laughs) uh, were talking about, like, how Stanford's wife said... Yeah, Damon's just doing, like, youngest sibling stuff, you know, trying to get attention. And we don't know what that's like. I don't know if you know what um, youngest sibling oh. acting out stuff is like. We're only I'm children. A, I'm a middle child, so. Oh, uh, no. Stannis energy. Uh, oh. Oh, God. Oh, dang. Oh, oh, why, no. would you, why are you attacking our guest, Chloe? I'm sorry. Why are you attacking our guest? You invite her on. You invite her on. <laughs> wow. You stab her. Um, well, she'll Stannis come back. Stannis energy. We all come back. No. Not Stannis. Um, yeah, God. But no, I mean, I've I've seen the younger the younger sibling dynamic play out, and yeah, he's just a big, he's a big man baby who like. Also, do do you guys yeah. watch Succession too? Yes, every day of my life. Yes, right. Like it's like a little bit of like Kendall or Roman Roy energy of like, <laughs> yeah, please, please. Please pay attention to me. Please see that I've done this new dastardly yes. thing and tell me that it was good or like bad or whatever. Like mm-hmm. they want a kiss from daddy. He yep, just wants yeah. a kiss from Viserys. I the Aww. I think one of my favorite little like Damon is just a big kid moments was like I think it was after Rhaenyra flew up and he just sort of like 
he like cuddles the egg a little bit. He just like hugs it and oh, kind of yeah. like set, like settles into like watching Rainier approach. Like you could just tell he's immediately no longer in like I'm gonna kill someone mode. He's like, all right, yeah. like little family moment now. Just me, yeah. my niece, and my egg. It's actually like such a great little change. Incidentally, your dad was calling just now. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Was he really? Yeah, he really was. Oh. I saw it on your phone. Incidentally, her dad was calling. Wow. My dad just called me. His ears were burning because we're talking about yeah. dads. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it was not sedition at all. Uh, I, I know what sedition <laughs> looks like. I live in today, in the modern our modern country. Um, so. I love that Damon is like, I have better people, better hardware. I also have a dragon. You need to shut the fuck up, Otto. I love his dragon. I love Karaxi's little like yes. Ugh. Oh, bloodworms. Little, little snakehead. Yeah. yeah, noodle, total noodle. Like it's the longest noodle I've ever seen, and I'm in love with it. It's it's so great. Really shows you how we might get to a point later on where they're like dreams didn't make us kings, dragons did. Mm-hmm. I could see it now. I could see it. Uh, um, and I also would say that like, oh, that's got to be a great battle with him and Viserys or something, because like. You know how quotes are always taken out of context constantly in this show? Yeah, always. Like, they always, they like to fool you. I just could see him being like, brother, you're so stupid. Why are you so worried? Or Rhaenyra, you're so stupid. Why are you so worried about this prophecy? You should just get your chair, girl. Get your chair and go home. I love that she talks him down in High Valyrian, right? Like, she's able to talk him down. Yeah. Uh, And there's even a little bit, it kind of reminds me of, like, Asha, and maybe, like, Victarion or something. Like, there's a little bit of that vibe to it of the way she speaks to him. Like, uncle... Like, you could just murder me if I'm sitting in your, you know, spot. Why are you mm-hmm. playing all these games? There's almost mm-hmm. a little, like, Asha and her uncle's vibes going on. Uh, and she wins, right? She gets the egg. She takes the egg. She saves the egg. Gets it in the brazier, And they take off on their dragons and no more. No more dilemma. Otto goes home the long way. Which is good. Until yeah, the next part where he gets in trouble for it all. Poor Damon. When you just said the puts liar. her in the brazier, I fully just imagined, like, a giant bra. And then I was like, yeah, oh, that's not the right word for that. <laughs> it could keep it warm. It's kind of, it could be. It could be. Um, soft. Damon's way <laughs> smarter than Victorian, though. Damon is smarter than Victorian. I will give him that, yes. <laughs> I was just like, wait, who was in the- I was like, they didn't have Victorian in. No. <sighs> no. Alas. They just kind Alas. of like merged him with what's his butt? Euron. Euron, yeah. It would have been a good HBO character i think hbo would have uh, enjoyed a character like victorian yeah but interestingly during that confrontation on the bridge before like the cool sword swoomy stuff which is very fun mm-hmm. we keep getting close-ups of mizaria um she when pissed. yeah when uh when they keep saying all this stuff and at first you think it's like because she's so offended right and she's very hurt that no one would accept her being married or her child and then you turns out it's not like that at all yeah, she, uh, we get a big kind of backstory of her motives. Like, obviously, he just lied in front of, like, all of these people, 60 people, and was just like, oh, you're my second wife and you're pregnant with my heir. Except then she's like, but I'm not. Yeah. And I-, I thought that was a very interesting way to play this scene for her to be like, I come to you for, you know, to feel liberated, to feel safe. I've ne- never known all these exciting things of feeling liberated and having this power within me. I've been sold, I've been this, I've been that, and you, you just pull this bullshit on me? You're just trying to make me a Targaryen mare? Yeah. And at the bare minimum, make her a target 
for possible yeah. like yes. assassination or sabotage or something for anyone who doesn't want Damon procreating, which fair about that. <laughs> uh, well, it's gonna happen, I guess. So too bad for them. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like a. It's funny because you said it when you're talking about making her target. It reminds me of the line that we get in a lot of times in A Song of Ice and Fire, but especially in A Feast for Crows when we are talking about Kristen Cole. Uh, to crown him is to kill him, right? So for Damon mm. to wed her is to, as you said, make her a target. And interestingly, it, it doesn't seem like he could. He could breed her if he wanted to because... Uh, we get this reveal, and and I think it's phrased very subtly, but it sounds like Mizaria might have sterilized herself. Mm-hmm. I missed that the first go around. David asked me about that this morning, and I was like, "What are you talking about?" He was like, "She says that she like made it so that she could never be pregnant," and I was mm-hmm. like, "Or something like that." And I had totally yeah. missed that as possible, like, yeah, somehow, like, self-sterilization. I think maybe I just assumed, like, she just drinks moon tea all the time or whatever because of, like, don't the sex workers kind of have it, like, available to them so that they're not constantly getting pregnant? Well, we know some of them did because that's how Bobby B had so many bastards, right? Yeah. I don't know. I yeah, feel- I totally missed that. That would be interesting if they're if they're somehow alluding to the fact that women have some way of Well, and self- it seems magical. I yeah. Mean, we know that Mazaria is going to have some some sort of bits of magic, right, about her. It'll be interesting to see if she did something like that or if it was something more like Liza, right, in a storm of swords revealing uh the moon tea rest the moon tea through the different ingredients the of the recipe. I was yeah. going to say the flavors. The different flavors <laughs> the of the flavors recipe, of Jesus. Poison. <laughs> yeah, the different poisons she drank, but like even if it's that, even if like she made it just so she could never the the term is insured. She says I insured yes. and I missed it actually. Eliana, I was like, "Okay, roll it back. I need to see it again." And she straight up says, I insured, never again. Interesting. Yeah. And it's a shift from the books, right? Yes. It's a shift from the... Sh- well, she doesn't have a child in the books, right? I, I they, they say that, right? They, they say, say that, that she, she, like, miscarries. Mm-hmm. So I think I saw yeah. someone being like, is this the show's way of explaining why she never had a baby in the book? Like, maybe Damon's... Because Damon did... He wrote it... He put it in the scroll, too, that she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. So, like, at some point, yeah. people are going to be like, well, where's this baby? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And um, some pink lettery shit, now that I think about mm. it. But, uh, um, who wrote Damon's letter? <laughs> Obviously not Nazaria. We can say that. It was not Nazaria. <laughs> Rule out one suspect immediately. Yeah, I, I mean, what you were saying, right? Like, is this how they explain that she miscarries? I mean, they they had to put out a public statement, because he put out a public statement. And... It's a nice touch of the way that, you know, I know that History of Westeros in their recent interview with George, they were discussing the difference between, like, there's a show canon, there's a book canon, you know, they both serve their stories in that way, and, you know, it's interesting to see how the difference between the private and public lives, what gets chronicled in history. Of course, only the Maesters will only know that, yeah, Damon knocked her up, and they wouldn't know Mazaria being like, that is impossible. Yeah yeah, 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 and not, and actually that Mizaria doesn't want that, right? Because it frames Mizaria as, like, kind of scheming to maybe become, like, a wife when it turns out that was never in her desires and, and what isn't shown in the history books. Yeah. I do want to hear more from Mizaria about, like, what it is that she wants. 
aside from like yeah. freedom freedom from fear but like she's investing a lot of emotional energy into damon like she's totally like mothering him when he's in his little big baby moods and like encouraging him to like take pride in his supposed like right to the iron throne and stuff like she's the one who kind of like eggs him on in the first episode to like make a speech that then eventually gets him banished from king's landing temporarily so i don't know eggs him on eggs him on is that what you said kim um there's that little bit of stannis and melisandre too you know like that little bit of Mm. whispering in the ear because i mean i will say Mizaria doesn't get the most fulfilling role in Fire and Blood. It's not a very fleshed out yeah. role. We get her in bits and pieces. She becomes the de facto unnamed, you know, mistress of whispers. And uh, we have to get her there, right? Yeah. Yeah. But mistress of whispers, or it, it is like, it is a big role, right? Like mm-hmm. we see the the power that role can hold with Varys' character in A Song of Ice and Fire, with Bloodraven's character in... I don't know, throughout the rest of, like, their history. This one's family, this family's future, though, not history. But, um, it's in, what you were saying about how she talks up Damon is an interesting parallel, then, to how Alicent talks up Mm. Viserys, because, you know, she talks about how she's been sold, like, property over and over. And is that so dissimilar to what we're seeing in this episode? Is that so dissimilar to Corley's and Rainey's being mm-hmm. like, hey, here's my 12-year-old daughter? Or uh, what Otto is doing with Allison? And, you know, it's 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 less palatable, perhaps. It's covered up and it's fancied up. Mm-hmm. But it's still all within that same system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a loss of bodily autonomy. Because you're viewed as being useful for one primary thing, whether it's sex for pleasure or sex for babies. Yes. Or, yeah, exactly. And here she's trying to take ownership. She's like, I don't, I want control also over my narrative mm-hmm. of what, I don't want to be used and endangered as a pawn. Yeah. In a scroll that's given to the fucking small council. Jesus, Damon, he's out there right now. Yeah. But he like left it in the dragon nest like it's like he pulled like an indiana jones but he like took yeah. an egg and left a scroll just throwing Masaria under the bus it's i want like, that short i want yeah. that i want that mini mini so little animated of him doing it <laughs> i i think it would be great because it's like half that and then like home alone it's like half that oh and half God. home alone i'm not kidding he's literally home aloneing auto hightower the whole time <laughs> love it um i I can't believe I didn't get to listen to last week's episode yet for Cast of Kings. Eliana listened to it for me, and she was telling me, I was writing this outline, and I was like, all right, so let's go to The Bachelor. And that's when she told me. She was like, oh, my God, they joke about The Bachelor, Chloe. I think it was, I was last like, night, right? Yeah, was yeah. last night? <laughs> yeah. Nice, yeah. Okay. Reaction episode. Yeah. Um, Dave was actually the one who brought it up. He's apparently that's... the... <sighs> Is he in The Bachelor fandom? <laughs> I didn't really ask. I should I should check it in with how... It. How into the Do you think he could get all is. of us in? He could get us in, right? To the fandom. The fandom. I think all we. I think we just need to do that ourselves. But the problem is like this is. It's the same problem I have with Doctor Who. And granted, I could just start at any season. I'm sure of The Bachelor, but there's like 13 seasons now or more. I mean, that's not fair because I've literally told you I'd guide you through Doctor Who. So, <laughs> wow. Betrayals are happening already in the dance, you guys. Betrayals are happening. (gasps) Wow, 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 wow. Wow. Maybe we just have to embark on season one of The Bachelor together, you know? Because I think I watched it way back in the day when it was first airing, and then I fell off, you know, in my my teens and 20s. Yeah. But I see exactly 
as soon as he was like, oh, it's like a rose ceremony. I was like, yeah, everyone's standing around kind of awkwardly. We got like reaction shots from almost everyone. Yeah. And I will quickly say like when, you know, before, right before this scene, right? When um, Rhaenyra returns home. Oh yeah. And then, uh, and then Viserys is like, where were you? It's, it's, it's very, it's very teenager has snuck out of their home and, you know, she's back. And I love that because, because I think you were pointing out like how in the small council scene before she goes and retrieves the egg, right? Um, she's just there awkwardly standing, mm-hmm. right? When she returns home to her father, who's chastising her for a couple of reasons, right? A, uh, you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to disobey me, the king. B, you're not supposed to disobey me, your father. And then also, C, you're endangering the line, not just because you are the heir um, and our family's political power is weak, but also the prophecy shit. And she asks to sit down. She asks to sit down, which is a sign of being conferred respect and being uh, taken seriously as a politician and a leader. Then he sits down, and in that moment when he finally regards her as an equal, there they can, they open up, and before you know everything blows up with the bachelor scene. Yeah, totally. and it's crazy because he totally lies to her. Like he straight up, like just like he does to every one yeah. of them. He's like, "What do you think of my matches?" And they're like, "Lena, Lena's great." And she's like, "Yeah, Dad, I give you permission. Go remarry that twelve-year-old because that means I have a couple years to gain on you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh-huh. let me get a couple heirs in, uh, and." Then the next scene, he gives the rose, and it's not to Lena, it's to Alicent. Corley's is pissed. Everyone's pissed. Everyone's really pissed. Yeah. yeah. And no, that may I that may I sit moment was so great from her because she's just like, I'm not taking your bullshit anymore, dude. Yeah. Like, and it's very it's he's being patronizing. He's like mm-hmm. he thinks that she needs protection when we just saw how clearly in control of that entire situation was. Like, she bested every man in that negotiation setting by just, like, swooping in, doing her thing, and then leaving. She was entirely, like, right, I think, to do that. And she, I think that she now knows it. I also love, last thing before we, like, really get into the rose ceremony, I love her music cue. That yes! Little, like, yes! Ha, ha, that little, like, choral voice yes. that kicks in. I'm obsessed with it. We were wondering, is that's like her theme now, right? Is yeah. that going to be her theme throughout and play with it? Because you can hear some of the Targaryen in it, right? Of the theme, oh. the swooping, but then it has more drums. Yeah. yeah. Kim yeah. can't say, but yeah, Kim we're is, wondering. Kim's shutting her mouth real tight. She's had <laughs> a couple know, of those moments yeah. tonight. <laughs> Who knows? But I mean, like, it, I think that was like one of my favorite songs I've ever heard in like any of the series, right? I mean, no new theme song was fine because it's so iconic i don't care but it was also disappointing so i was like what's it gonna be what's yeah. it gonna be so yeah. now i'm like all right give me the good themes ramin i'd like all the good themes all it was season a bop. long you yeah, know as 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 you as people probably rainier's age say it was a the youth. yeah the youths um the youths on their tiktoks <laughs> in westeros no for real though uh and yeah and i like that he emphasizes you're my heir and i don't intend to change that as he's bringing up the marriage which to me says he doesn't he doesn't intend to name a male heir uh still but right like he's he's recommitting that to her but again it's like what he says privately to her doesn't matter as <laughs> much as what he does in front of everyone else so like i still don't trust trust his yeah. 
instincts on this and also he says like i i don't he specifically also says like i don't want to become estranged from you and it's like well guess what Mm. buddy (laughs) you're doing like the one thing that you could possibly do right now that would really upset her like how do you not Mm -hmm. see that it's because he's a bad dad it's a bad did he think like did he think like oh by marrying your best friend isn't this great she's part of our family now like is that like was that the thought process? I like, think I so. Do you really think so? Yeah, I, I don't mean, know. I mean, seem, he does seem out of touch of human emotions. He's got tunnel vision. Man. I don't know. This whole scene, everyone's heartbroken. Like Rhaenyra is like, "How could you fucking do this to me?" You can see it in her eyeballs. Corlys is like, "How could you fucking do this to me?" You can see it when he stands up and says, "How could you fucking do this to me?" Uh, everybody yeah. bails after that, and like you can see just from this moment where the lines are being drawn of where people are being driven, right? Like, you can see why Damon and Lena get married. Because Corlys is like, oh, Annie up. I need to get some power. Let's go fuck up the Stepstones, Damon. Where Rhaenyra's like, I have a new knight to play with. Um, so that really paints the next picture we're going to see next week. Pretty vividly. Yeah. It's a good, I, all I'll say is that next week's episode is really good, too. <laughs> like, uh, I like it a lot. I have a, I have, I feel like right now I have a respect for the way that the writers' room have figured out how to weave everything together and do time jumps, so that like, yes, you're dropping in on a, on a new, like chronological section, but every single one of like the motivations and the interactions and the loyalties from the previous episode perfectly set you up to understand how they change a little bit in this episode and Mm. then like like all everything that you just said about like you you can see where the lines are drawing that Corliss as we know from like the final scene like Corliss is headed off to now try and team up with Damon now Alicent is like fully you know about to be wet yeah like we know that she's going to be married to him by the time that like the next time jump happens and so then like who does Rhaenyra have left to talk to pretty much just Sir Kristen Cole who we specifically watched her have like a one of the few positive interactions that she had in this whole episode was like her recognizing his skill and like deciding to honor him right away like easy question her dad approves like boom so like it's all all the it's not even like the puzzle pieces are falling into place it's like they've all shifted once again and now, like, next episode, we see, like, are they going, how do they continue to shift and morph as, like, we drop into every new time setting? It's great because it'll bring us back, right? Like, when there's all of a sudden the Valerian deaths, which are horrible, and I don't want to see them. Uh, but when those happen, like, that's going to change it again. The pace is going to change. Yeah. The tables, my, how the tables are going to turn. They're going to turn table. And I love that. Like, I'm very excited to see because it won't get boring you know there's gonna be a couple big oh let's spin it again yeah totally so i do kind of wish like we had gotten a little more reaction from you know the rest of the small council just for just for you know dramatic bachelor's sake but, uh, <laughs> it's fun it's fun everyone's like oh, oh my gosh and yeah I, he looks over at Rainier and he's like this is great right i'm getting remarried and she's like what the fuck dad runs out and not like this yeah not like this mm-hmm. and Speaking of time and Alicent, as many people have pointed out, is she wearing, how long has she been wearing the same dress? And what does it mean? mean? Yeah, I only recently saw someone theorizing on Twitter that, like, it means that they must have slept together 
because she's like wearing the same thing the next day. I don't know about that. It does seem weird that she's wearing the same dress multiple times. But we know that her dad was like, go wear yeah. one of your dead mother's dresses. So I'm like, is there just a limited number of dead mom dresses hanging around? Mm-hmm. So she's an outfit repeater. Uh, was it like... <laughs> that was like a life-changing episode of Lizzie McGuire, okay? <laughs> yes, that's what it's yeah, about. Yeah, Kate is, and Lizzie. They're yep. the same age. They're like the same age as in wow. this episode, basically 13 slash 14. Wait, is Allison Kate then? I have questions. I have a lot of questions. I don't know, maybe. Maybe. Or, uh, no, Kate. Well, but Kate has a soft side too, so. Hmm. hmm. But so does Allison. That's what I mean, yes. Yeah, so that's yeah, why I'm like, yeah. maybe. But Rainier's not very, she's more a Miranda. Yeah, that's true. Way more a Miranda. She's yeah. a little edgy. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> seeing, like, that that dress, though, like, I mean, the other thing is, there's twofold to this. Like, in A Song of Ice and Fire, I feel like we're constantly reading, like, there are specific dresses for specific events, right? Like, mm. this one, A, obviously, it's got the cutouts on it, which gives a little bit of the skin, which is obviously what she was trying to sell for her father. And then, not only that, but then in A Song of Ice and Fire, it's like, they have certain dresses to be worn for certain events, right? Or that are nice enough for certain events. And, like, you might just have a couple dresses that are good for going to council. And you might have a couple, like, lesser dresses you wouldn't wear in council. So, I I mean, maybe not. But I, it was interesting to me to think of it from that angle, too. Yeah. I mean, I just... <clears throat> that seems very important to me. Mm-hmm. If the reason why he's marrying her is because they had sex out of wedlock first, which, like, seems to be the implication. And I just, I don't under, I don't, if that had happened, I feel like it would have been important to show some other hint that, like, she had been called out of her bedroom in the middle of the night mysteriously Mm -hmm. or, like, summoned somewhere or something or, like, I don't know. I'm just not sure because I'm, like, if so, what does that change? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I thought it was an interesting theory whether, you know, she's, uh, whether he sleeps with her or not. Um, but yeah, it is interesting. She keeps wearing the same dress. I'm, I'm like, is this your mom's sluttiest dress? Or is it like, what's, <laughs> what's going on? Like, but, yeah. um, in regards to what you were saying about the cutouts, it also has, I, last week or something, and then I got it wrong. I did Arbez, and it was supposed to be Arbe Leger. Um, because she was wearing she was wearing a dress that had a similar like paneling right that was reminiscent yeah. of the Hervé Leger bandage dress specifically it is called the bandage dress and it's like is she bound is she being wrapped mm. bound into the roles that she's in mm, okay trapped I like that yeah, yeah I Love do like that. that I mean I think that is part of it with like the cagey because it's like cage style it right cage it's style, a cage like yeah. bralette looking kind of thing at the top it is very cagey. Uh, She's being pretty cagey right now in this family. <laughs> she doesn't have a choice, I guess. She has no choice. Yeah, it kind of sucks. It's also, um, it's, it's so much more angular than everything that Rhaenyra wears. Like, Rhaenyra's very, like, rounded oh. with, like, her, like, rounded mm. headpiece, rounded collar, her, like, you were talking about, like, the Trinity knot, like, that, like, circular symbol yeah. that she has. And, like, Alicent is all, like, little square Sharp. paneling, like, line blocks, too. And it's like, and, and Rainier is wearing, I think, a lot of high necklines, right? She's very covered, which, um, I mean, that makes sense for her age, right? She's not trying, she doesn't feel like she's 
has to be forced into to that sort of role of being sexualized right. or a woman yet whereas Allison she doesn't want to be but she's being forced into it yeah. yeah and the first dress that we saw Allison in before she was sent to Viserys room was similar was much closer to Rhaenyra's in terms of like modest like a more like modest <laughs> yes. young girl neckline mm-hmm. and like pastel coloring and now she's in this like cut out dark jewel tone like very like noticeable noticeable yeah. like goth sansa in season five <laughs> yeah <laughs> dark sansa uh, um, yeah well yeah compared to like the the first season yeah with the, the light colors yeah mm-hmm. they really went for those pastels and those youthful innocent colors and like even mm-hmm. uh there's something even said of that dress she wears when she first goes to him having the black flames licking across it and that now the flames have like torn the rest of the dress away and she's wearing a different dress and here she is like like a phoenix risen out of that dress Mm. yeah but also tearing it herself apart yeah that too that too it's tearing up my heart when i'm with with you i really don't want to marry you okay (laughs) (laughs) i like both versions these are good good. is this the song of ice and fire maybe uh could be oh my god (gasps) well We close up on that Corlys Damon, right? They make a deal. They're like, ah, yes, what if we were allies in a Game of Thrones? Um, she said the thing. And they're going to the Stutzville <laughs> to do some wars. Uh, and in, we do see a close-up on Krag Hastrahar, and he has grayscale, according to the end of the episode, which makes sense, because like grayscale especially breeds well in a cold, damp place, which the Stepstones definitely is. So there's your... Not unlike Viserys's wound, right? It's got kind of that similar, you want to keep this place? Your little hellhole you've built while well, you have grayscale too. Hell yeah. yeah. It looks very, you know, the whole thing, the whole thing of how that all ends looks very fantasy-esque, which I love. I love that we are leaning into it, and he looks sort of monstrous, but it's fun, and mm-hmm. yeah, we haven't heard him talk. He seems scary. I'm excited. Kind of hyped for the Stepstones, because, like, in the weeks ahead, you actually see Laner in the um, next week video in the background, and I'm like, whoa! So they that's a change, which is awesome from the book. And I had a feeling they'd do that, because he has to get knighted before he marries Rhaenyra. Mm. So yeah, this is a sense. perfect chance to give him a knighthood, I feel like. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, it's smart. And I like that it's, like, Crab Feeder is... He, he's, like, the overt villain... Everyone else are like very subtle villains. Like <laughs> yeah. All all the bad things that all the other men are doing are a little more on the like political emotional damage side. And then it's mm-hmm. like they took the time in episode 1 to mention Mr. Crabfeeder and then like <laughs> really <laughs> really show him off in this episode. Yeah. Mr. Krabs. I love it because, you know, finally we have a real villain. Everyone can just love the characters for just one episode. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Just let us enjoy uh, this once. Oh my god. Yeah. But what if, what if Crab Feeder is the good guy? I mean, he's just out here feeding crabs, you know? Is that so bad to feed the crabs? The crabs need, they're a vital piece of an ocean ecosystem, I hear. You know? Absolutely. They, they also make music, according to Little Mermaid. Yep. Little tiny crab violins. Both the crabs oh and the maggots should form an alliance. They should. I think. They should. Mm-hmm. At the very the least, a union. <laughs> an animal yes. union. Yes. They should. Uh, a feast for crows union. My god. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they'll have the air, they'll have the sea, and they'll have 
the land heir. No, Rhaenyra is the heir. Oh. <laughs> Get it right. Um, well, I look forward to next week because we get some strongs in the house. Harwin's showing up. Clubfoot's showing up. They're in the yes. trailer for next week. You can just see him. Clubfoot is clubfooting. I am like, Clubfoot. I'm floored. He is clubfooting. That is, they committed to this whole bit that they're doing called House of the Dragon. They committed to it, the bit, completely. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. Except for Mushroom. Except for Mushroom, but I think he might show up. I'm a believer. Really? You really in, think maybe, so? Hmm. Maybe in the background. I, I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't know what to think. I believe. Mm-hmm. I believe. Kim is once more saying nothing. We are getting nothing from Kim Renfro right now. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> well, in, in Kim's defense, this is a very difficult section. Obviously, Chloe and I want to talk about and speculate what's uh, what mm-hmm. we've been shown in the next week on Hot D. But, um, yeah, no, you know, go Kim's ahead. Play... I'm just going to sit here and drink my Dr. Pepper. <laughs> what's great is we can see Kim's face, but you can't, right? So, like, I mean, it's a pretty... She's making a neutral face at each of these. We're not 100% sure, but, like, I felt something from a few of them this episode. I felt a couple things in this episode that I'm like, oh, oh, what was that face, Kim? Um, it could have just been Kim's face, to be fair. I don't know. I don't, but I thought it meant something. I'm um, probably, I have a terrible poker face. I keep the <laughs> podcast that I'm doing with David. He, he like films and is putting clips of it on TikTok and YouTube and stuff. And I was like, oh, I need to, <laughs> I need to pay attention to what my face gotta, is doing all the time. You gotta take some, take some notes from Allison, take some notes from, uh, Otto, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, that would but just be a, chess. a furrowed brow all, at all times. <laughs> just yeah, mm-hmm. just just look like you're pondering all the time, and no one will know. Mm-hmm. I'm so that sad. actually, yeah. So that sad works about out, my yeah. dead wife. So sad. <laughs> you should say that, and you're then see what see what happens. See if you fool everyone. <laughs> every time, every time you don't know what to say, just say that. And everyone will be like, "Oh my god, yes, of course." So sad. I'm just grieving over here. Don't yeah. Don't listen to me. Will we think Aegon 2 is cute for the only time ever? Yeah, probably. probably. The only time ever. Yeah, he had some cute chubby cheeks, that nice tar hair. Yeah, bowl cut. <laughs> this is it. This is the last time. Uh, and and um, so I said that the outfit that Alicent was wearing was very Mrs. Claus, but I also really like Chloe's observation. It's um, Mrs. Belle Claus. from Beauty and the Beast Christmas is really what it is, though. It's it literally is. Belle. Literally, it, is. it is. Look it, it is. Look it is, right? We will, we'll link it below, everyone, because it's literally Belle's outfit in the Beauty and the Beast Christmas. <laughs> it's like... The, like, kind of pink one? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's the same outfit. Yeah. The fur trim on, like, the cloak. And, uh-huh. It's literally that outfit. Uh-huh. Uh, but her hair nuts are so pretty, too. Oh, my God. The show did hair nuts. Wow. Good yeah. for them. Good for them. Look at them It's meant to go over your head. I love it. I love this. I'm excited for the costuming next episode. That is one of my favorite things in the show so far is that, like, every single episode has had, like, four different outfits for everyone. Except for Mm -hmm. Allison. Except Allison. (laughs) Someone get that girl a dress. Again, this is, like, Sansa season four right now with her, like, two dresses she wore for two seasons. Yeah, that was painful. Uh, Poor Allison. Yeah, she gets more dresses later. Uh, I don't even need to look at Kim's face to know that. I've seen some of the promo material. She gets a lot more dresses, so don't worry, guys. Allison will get new dresses. Real good dress moments coming up, which is only to be expected from... Yeah, I mean, it has to be. Yeah. As you pointed out, it's part of the story. I mean, it's decadent. Yeah, it has to be the greens and the blacks actually becoming a thing, and it's like kind of like a fashion fight. There's, you know, yeah. it's not just a fight. It's a fight with fashion. Uh, My favorite I, kind. I, 
Yeah, I love that. I look forward to that. Kim, what, without spoiling, obviously, what episode do you think we should be looking forward to the most right now? They didn't, they didn't warn us. I don't even know if I should say this. I don't have notes on all the episodes. Uh, okay. Okay. Because I kind of like just started blowing through them very excitedly and was like, oh, I'll take notes later. That's what I would do. And now I can't access all the episodes again. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so I'm like, gotcha. I honestly, I don't know. I did really like, here, here's what, here's one thing I'll tell you. My notes for next week's episode, my little handwritten notes right here. I made a little star and wrote Downton Abbey in all caps. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Oh, Okay. Okay. So, like, okay. And I love Downton Abbey. So. Same, because I saw, I saw someone compare it to Downton Abbey. I was like, is that a bad thing? I fucking love Downton Abbey. I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I think it's an example yeah. of like a okay. really good family drama and like showing like the the rich opulence of a certain family in contrast to like everybody else in the lower classes and like mm, yeah a lot of yeah, things yeah. a lot of things going on. Um, so I think next week's is going to be a fun one for book readers. And then definitely f- five and six. I can't remember now what happens in four. That <laughs> I think I know. I don't know. Honestly, I, I thought that it kind of just kept getting better. That's why, like, when I That's saw awesome. people's, re- when I saw people's, like, positive reactions to the pilot, I was like, okay, because, like, honestly, the pilot's probably, like, the least... It just oh, has really? to, wow. it, like, it has to do so much stage setting, yeah, which is, yeah. like, the pilot's mm-hmm. job. Like, I think it's a really good pilot. Yeah. But in terms of, like, getting into the meat of other things, getting into, like, I'm sure there will be hashtag discourse about things to come. But, like, yeah, yeah I was I was really into it. And I will say, I, I also know, like, a lot of people have been talking about how great Millie Alcock is as Rhaenyra, and I agree. And some people are like, this sucks because I know that she's not going to be playing her forever because at some point it's going to jump to Mm. emma darcy in that role but like the first episode that i saw emma darcy as rainier i was like i love this so much like they crush (sighs) it so yeah that's awesome and and then yeah i mean i'm hopeful that this means though that millie alcock and emily carey will then have the opportunities because they've done such a strong job here to do like other great acting work later on and i also know that you know you're writing like it's important right that we switch these actors out because Mm -hmm. they are trying to emphasize they are trying to emphasize right how this system hurts girls like children young girls Mm -hmm. and young women yeah Totally. I think that, like, for a very long time, it felt like if you wanted to make a show about something like this, where women were married at very young ages because they were basically married as soon as they were able to get pregnant for the sake of, like, continuing on a family line. It's like, it's one thing to say, like, oh, well, that this is true. And this is how it used to be. Like, don't put your modern politics on this. Like, it's normal within the world. And I'm like, why? Why have we stopped questioning Yes. Whether whether it might have been normal at some point in human history for women to be sold off like property and made to bear the children of older men that they may or may not know at all and possibly die in the process because their bodies don't matter. <laughs> like maybe it's good that we continue like looking that in the face through a show like this instead of just like hand waving away like oh yeah, well that's just like it's normal within the culture so like don't 
don't put too much stock in it. I think that the show is very intentionally getting you to understand that there are like serious emotional repercussions when girls are told at a young age that they don't have power and control over their bodies or what they do with their life. Like that's the through line. So yeah. And while like that did, you know, used to happen, like, I I don't know, I'm sure each of us has experienced it here. Though we thankfully are not being married off as early as 13 or 14. I mean, that hasn't stopped us from sexualizing. Like, that hasn't stopped society from sexualizing girls, right? Like, I, I, mm-hmm. the first time I ever was catcalled, I was like, what, 12? Yeah. Same. Um, yeah, sixth grade. Yeah. yeah. So we're seeing what that looks like, and we're, we're looking that in the face. And yeah, yeah. it's through this lens of... I mean, it, it's coming out today in modern day. This is mm-hmm. not like real history. And I, it's good to examine that. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Totally. So I'm excited to see how how it continues to unfold and how people respond to that. Because I think it's going to produce some good, good convos. And it's all just very well performed and well written, I think. So. And if I six hope- episodes were that good, I mean, the other yeah. four, those were going to be bangers. Bangers. Yeah. Yeah, Hype. yeah. Very I'm excited. I'm excited that you said it's only uphill from here. Yeah. Uh-oh. Well, Kim, thank you so much for joining us today. We had such a blast breaking down this episode with you. And please tell everyone where they can find you online one more time. Oh yeah, you can find me on Twitter again. I've I've re-entered the fray. Um, <laughs> so I'm <laughs> I'm at Kim oh, Kim R Renfro on Twitter. And then you can follow along with like a cast of Kings. A cast of Kings is pretty much on every social platform. So like there's YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, obviously you can find it and download it pretty much anywhere you go. And if you go to decoding TV, that's where you'll get like bonus episodes and stuff. And then all of my reporting work on the shows on insider.com. So find me there too. Nice. Awesome. The unofficial guide to house of the dragon will be coming out when? (laughs) Just kidding. Second book. Second book. Second one more, one, one more, more, one more time. Come on, Kim. Come on. <laughs> Just give it four years. A Tumblr, a Tumblr oh blog gosh. instead. Thanks for having me. This was so fun. I could Absolutely. honestly talk about this for another four hours at all times, but I should probably. And of course, uh, as well as you being able to find the Cast of Kings on all those places, you can always find us in a couple of places too. For example, on social media, you can find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash girlsgonecanon, C-A-N-O-N, where you can send us a tweet or a DM, or perhaps you have thoughts that are maybe a little longer, feel free to shoot us an email at girlsgonecanon at gmail.com. Yes, and hopefully, if you're listening to this episode today, you are listening to it on a platform that you love to listen to us on, and you're subscribed, following, etc., etc. But if you're looking for a platform to subscribe to us to, you could get us at Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, iHeartRadio, and many, many more. And of course, you can always find this on Patreon, patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon, where we also have bonus episodes in... The, for, for patrons in the Stranger Tier and above, $5 and above. And this month, we have covered the Mothers of the Dragon. Milfs of the Dragon. Part one. Yeah. <laughs> Tune in, patrons in the Stranger Tier and above, to hear how many parts this baby may go. And we are doing weekly discussions for patrons in the Thunder Tier and above over at our Discord on Hot D. It's hosted by our friend Maddie. She's doing an excellent job so far. Last week was a blast. Every Friday, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. ET, Eliana time. 
And also we do a monthly brunch. We just had ours for August, but we will be doing another brunch happy hour for our patrons at Discord, and we can't wait to get together again. And, of course, thank you again, everyone. Thank you to Kim. I have been one of your hosts, Eliana. And I have been another one of your hosts, Chloe. We'll be back next week with another all-spoilers breakdown of episode three, which I think is second of his name, I think I've heard. It's the second of his name, Aegon Two. Goodbye. Bye. See y'all next week.